You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 257. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. For me, we are now fully in the Hanukkah holiday, going to light some menorahs very quickly later uh, later today. And so this begins the holiday season, so I, I hope that Aaron and I can do a series of end-of-year episodes, uh, as we usually do. I think there's there's quite a bit going on this year. We have to look back. We have to look forward. Do we have to look sideways? I don't know. What would that look like? Maybe Aaron can help me figure that one out. That would be a third episode. But uh, today's episode concerns the debate that I did in episode 251, where I defended democracy despite all the frustrations with it uh, from the idea that monarchy is preferable. Very fascinating debate if you're interested. That is episode 251. Uh, I also wrote a blog post about the experience, which I think for those of you who are either doing debates or just doing public speaking in general, you might be interested in, uh, called Nine Tips for participating in a public debate. I shouldn't hold up one finger. I should hold up nine fingers, nine tips for participating in a public debate. You can get that on the show notes page at localmaxradio.com slash 247 or also my personal blog at maxsklar.com. So to discuss these things, today we're talking to the expert, the one who organizes the largest political debating society in New York, I believe, or or at least the most fun one, even though <laughs> he, he, does, uh, he does have some words for me when I, when I talk about entertainment, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but that will be Gene Epstein, and he runs and moderates the Soho Forum, which is a monthly debate series by the Reason Foundation. Gene is no stranger to the local maximum. He was also on with us in episode 176, if you remember from last year, as an economist to talk about capitalism and innovation. He's going to critique both my debate, and my article. And then we're going to talk about some of his recent recent debates, particularly one that he did with uh, Benjamin Applebaum of the New York Times. I guess, uh, what's the point of running a debate event, if you a debate society, if you can't get in the ring yourself every once in a while and do the debate? So that is exciting. Also, if you like listening to these things, these debates, go to thesohoforum.org, and you can get tickets to go live in New York, or you can just listen online. I want to highlight the next debate concerning monetary policy will be on January 26th. So check that out. All right. Without further delay, let's introduce our guest of the week, the founder of the Soho Forum, Gene Epstein. You've reached another local maximum. Welcome back to the show. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Max. It's a privilege and pleasure to be on the local maximum for a second time. Uh, yeah. I know you don't invite guests back unless you felt they were interesting the first time. So oh, I'm absolutely. quite relieved that I made the grade with the great Max Sklar. Well, you know, people uh, people saw the debate and there were a couple people who who were like, oh man, you did a debate. Wouldn't it be cool if you had Gene Epstein on and gave you a... a- <laughs> <laughs> gave oh, okay. you a little so, coaching uh, session. So, so it was push. backed oh. by popular demand. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's nice, Max. It wasn't really your free choice. It was just that your fans <laughs> wanted me back. Well, that well of course, I had to be choose to do it too. So, okay, Max, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Here I am fishing for a compliment, like yes. some jerk. So I'll, I'll, I'll back off. Uh, yeah, it's a privilege to be back. Pleasure to be back. And uh, but you, yeah, you did. You know, for those uh, of your of your many fans who don't know, you did a fan uh, a, a debate at the Shell in New Hampshire. And uh, one of the things that I want to suggest is, first of all, make sure that the audio is good when it comes to the Q&A. I don't, for yeah. some reason, the audio really faded when people started to ask questions. I don't know why that's the case. Well, I, I, well, there was no microphone for the people asking questions. So um, it, it was just the microphone on the stage. And it was actually my podcast equipment. It was oh. So they asked me to be like, I, I didn't realize that I had to be the... Uh, the the AV person as well as the yeah. uh, as well as the debater and I, I was kind of like uh, taken yeah, aback because I was like wait a minute I'm I'm preparing for the debate I can't set up the microphones I, know, just, I could bring my microphones but uh, well, I that was kind of an afterthought because I was yeah, more worried about the debate all right well all right yeah I know it's just yeah New Hampshire some you guys up there you free staters sometimes you give anarchy a bad name because yeah, yeah anarchy tends to be identified with disorganization that there's no manager and all that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that aside as well, um, there should be should have been should be a moderator uh, who uh, who runs things, a moderator who just knows a few things to do. Dennis Pratt was sitting in the front row; he should have been the moderator. Um, Dennis Pratt, by the way, to announce make a special announcement almost for the first time. Dennis Pratt will be a moderator at my forthcoming debate with David Friedman at uh, at at Porkfest in uh, in late June. And uh, uh, David and I are going to debate an issue about which he and I do deeply disagree. As you perhaps know, David makes a big thing about about repudiating uh, what I prefer to call the zero aggression principle, uh, or of course more commonly called the non-aggression principle. Uh, thinking of it as relatively useless to make libertarian arguments, and then in fact arguing that that it doesn't really hold up as a principle that. David does. I, I think David is a very valuable thinker in every other way, but I believe that he's a flawed thinker in this regard. And I thought it'd be interesting for us to have, have a debate on that issue. Now, Dennis is going to is going, and that will be at the Shell at the at the Shell at the uh, at Porkfest up in I've, I've told, uh, I've, what's the town even called Lancaster? I think Lancaster, New Hampshire, yeah. um, and David has agreed to it. Uh, to the debate, and he's going to defend a resolution having to do with it. I'm going to take the negative, but. Um, in particular, the moderator, uh, as I've told Dennis Pratt, make sure you, as moderator, uh, uh, steer the Q&A such that if a question is addressed to debater A, you turn to debater e, B for comments on the on the question. In other words, so that it doesn't really matter who gets the question directly. Uh, right. The, uh, the other side gets to comment, and of course gets to comment on the on the nature of the answer given, as well as on the question, so that we have a decent debate going during the Q and A. Now, this wasn't even done all the time at your particular debate, as I recall. Yeah, it, yeah. it was less. You know, it's not the, 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 this debate was the minor leagues. You know, you run the major leagues, so. <laughs> You know, yeah, we're just trying to get yeah, it together. Okay. Oh, come on. All right. Yeah. Okay, Max. I, I gather you're a high paid professional in your field. And you're, okay, it was the minor leagues. The point is <laughs> that there's no reason why you shouldn't aspire no, to run the debate. You're right. 
correctly. I don't know. Look again as I've come in. No, no, it's good. It's it's good feedback. But it, I was but looking for the shell, yeah. and of course, you, you guys don't mind being insulted. I said the shell looks like some garbage dump from the outside, so I wasn't <laughs> sure I was in the right place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little then, bit. But then uh, you enter it, and it kind of you know has a nice funky feel about it. Uh, but uh, and you should. And Dennis likes to show movies. And I gather that uh, that technology is pretty good. When I was at the shell, if you may recall, I sat in the hot seat about my debate with Ben Burgess about socialism and uh, Dennis right. showed the debate and then uh, I answered questions about it and comments from the audience. So anyway, have it, have it. And of course, have decent audio. Try to respect the listeners. And and I don't know, tell now Dennis, Dennis, of course, is a great man and uh, and a great philosopher. But of course, he he often eschews being an administrator. Anyway, I'm belaboring the point. Uh, make sure you have a microphone for everybody so that the so that it can be heard. If you expect people to yes. listen to it. Look, we're going to segue into your uh, nine points for debaters. Yes, and, I also have notes on your debate too because I listen to it. In the audience, recognize the first point is your primary mission is to entertain the audience. That's your yeah. that's your mission, and yet recognize that if the audience is going to be maximally entertained, they'd like to hear what goes yeah. on, and that includes, of course, if you if you're releasing it on podcast and on uh, and on video, then make sure that it can be heard. We screw, we recently screwed up in a couple of ways that bother me at the Soul Forum. We've screwed up. And uh, and of course we we have a responsibility to our audience not to screw up. So okay, with that little lecture, uh, um, I'm just wondering. Point, uh, point well taken. I want to segue into your list of nine points, which interested me. Okay. Then, oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I have it in Thank front you. of me. But then also, I guess let me comment on your debate. Oh um, yeah. It was. I I basically enjoyed it. It it could you know it would matter of fact. Uh, um, it would have if if I'd scheduled it uh, as a sole form debate, I probably would have had it at Porkfest because it is a it it is a it, it's a kind of a fun debate. It's ultimately not quite as clear an issue as for me as a libertarian as well. Let's like uh, let's yeah. review what it is because they're not familiar. It was yeah, the was democracy? Okay, that. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I didn't have enough faith in you. I'll, I'll let no, you go. Too much. Too much. Of, <laughs> too much of a, of a prelude. Yeah. It was about monarchy versus democracy, right. and uh, my my first criticism, Max, of you was that uh, had you asked me in advance how to prepare, I would say to you. Do a deep dive into the book by Hans Hermann Hoppe. Uh, yes. Oddly enough, oddly enough, in other words, what you, what you hear is here Hans Hermann Hoppe is uh, a brilliant mind, a brilliant mind, even though he seems to have a thing about homosexuals. Yeah, a brilliant mind, even though he's, he's been. Yeah, he's a not. Yeah, mind. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, oh, what? what is what? he not a fan? All right, sorry, go ahead. What yeah. you say? I'm sorry, what's your point, Ryan? No, no, no. I, I was just, I was just echoing what you said. So, uh, well, I, no, I, I wanted, I wanted to before as being a rationally calculus person. I wanted to say, say recently that the recent attacks on Hans Hermann Hoppe uh, 
launched by Phil Magnus were partly valid. You know, he's scoring a few points against Hans. And uh, I had a conversation with Stefan Kinsella, who's a friend of Hans's. And I said to Stefan, just read the stuff that Hans writes about gay people. He seems to think that if you advocate for homosexuality, you can persuade people to be gay. I said, well, maybe a few, but the vast majority of us really have no choice. <laughs> There's an yeah. absence of free will when it comes to our sexual proclivities. You know, 99 percent of us at least, pretty, we pretty much choose being gay or straight inadvertently, unintentionally. We really just fall into it. Uh, for Hans to really think that that uh, he wrote at one point that in our community we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna kick people out who advocate for homosexuality. He's clearly a homophobe. He's got yeah, something wrong. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a little that's a little weird. I mean, it's a, it's a little, not just weird, but it's like disturbing. Like, you know, I wouldn't want to have, you know, there'd be friends of mine, people in my family. Of course. Obviously. Of course. Well, then, you're a New Yorker. But then, he, but then he actually had in the kind of saying about advocating for socialism, homosexuality, as though advocating for socialism is the same thing as advocating for homosexuality. Even if you had a friend who, 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 who frequently tried to advocate for homosexuality, you wouldn't necessarily terminate the friendship. You would say, yeah. look, I'm stuck with being a goddamn heterosexual. I can't, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't choose homosexuality. You can't persuade me to do it because it's just not my thing. Uh, it's, it was just ingrained in me. So my point there is that is that I wanted? To, I, I told Stefan. Stefan was uncomfortable about that, and I said, "Stefan, you 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 should acknowledge uh, in defending Hans a few of his problems." Um, and uh, and Stefan can't do that because he's a friend of Hans's. And I said, and Stefan, well, I'm going to quit defending him altogether. I said, well, yeah, you probably should. The point is that I wanted to write a tweet and say anybody anybody who was going who's going to deny himself the work of Hans. Hollering happy because he's got a few rather crazy quirks is doing himself a disservice. Now, Hans Hermann Hoppe is a very stimulating thinker. Even when you disagree with him or don't quite agree with him, he's really worth reading for any libertarian. And of course, getting back to you and his book about monarchy versus democracy, I'm a little surprised that you didn't simply get up and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna." Well, even though he's not here to yeah. refute. By the way. I, I oh, did God. get the book. I, I I didn't have time to read it all, but I did get the book and I did look I didn't through have it. Time to read it so. all. <laughs> you know. All right. I guess. I guess this once is again, not the so form. I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> once again, in the minor leagues, I guess. Okay. You even, well, as a matter of fact, the book is a little bit repetitive. Uh, I know it's got the essays that sort of repeat with uh, each other. And uh, I, I, I listened, I started to listen to it on, on uh, re-listen to it on Audible again uh, last week. And I found that once I was about, you know, an hour and a half in, he began to repeat his points. Uh, and so I don't think it would have been a huge chore to be able to do that. I think you should have quoted Hans. You should have said that here is, here is a deep thinker, very thoughtful guy. Uh, his, his, I don't know if you know, you know Hans's book, A Short History of Man, is quite stimulating. You know that book? Um, no, no, I don't. Well, it's quite good. I mean, all of his essays are stimulating and and uh, and often persuasive. 
Okay, so again, I've, I've been uh, lingering too much on Hans, but I would have said that you should have targeted Hans Armin Hoppe, and you would have said, even though he's not here to respond, I'm going to quote him copiously and respond. Uh, and uh, now I get now I, I guess I have to think about what did you miss? He get, he went into a lot of different history. What did you miss in Hans Armin Hoppe? Well, actually, let, let, let me give it to you. Uh, uh, it's almost like I'm conducting the interview. What do you think yeah, you sure. missed? What do you think you missed? And maybe review the argument. You were for the for the listeners. I guess I should have said, although you picked up on it. I guess that uh, that Max was defending democracy against right. an opponent who was defending monarchy. Yeah, so, so ahead. first of all, let me let me like start how this happened. This was actually, um, you know, the debate. I'm kind of, you know, somehow I got invited to that uh, to the debate signal channel because maybe I had been to a couple of those because uh, because I was a fan of the Soho Forum. So I said, why not go to a few here? Yeah. And um, so I got on the channel, and then you know, uh, it was Alu himself who wanted to debate this topic, and so he kind of wrote the resolution. I, I forget yeah. your opponent. What's his name? His name is. I, I, people call him Alu. I, I think his his name is Elliot. Um, but but I, he's I, called I, Alu. So, I'm, yeah, A L U. Crazy North, you crazy New Hampshire. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so uh, so um so he was the one who wanted to debate it, and he put it out, and I was like, you know, I always wanted to do a debate. I spoke to Gene. Gene's recommended I I try a debate one day, you know, and I was like, you know what? Let me uh let me say sure I'll do it, and because it's a topic that um that interests me. I thought it would be a little bit of a challenge. So I did it, but it wasn't like I wasn't the one pushing the issue. Like I, I wasn't the one gunning to debate this particular issue. Uh, right. um, okay. It was him. And I think he kind of likes to debate things that are more socially dangerous. So I was kind of cognizant of the fact that no one's going to come to me and be like, you know, I'm not going to be on job interview. They're like, what? You once defended democracy? Get out of here. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's, so he was taking the much more, uh, socially uh risky position so I, I do give him like a lot of a lot of credit for that um so i you know honestly that was such a like when i was done i'm gonna have to rewatch it at some point but when oh. i was done it was like so nerve-wracking <laughs> that i put it aside and i was oh, like yeah, well, i don't want to rewatch it for a while well, uh, but right. yeah, i thought that i had trouble um i had trouble juggling coming up with my own statements and figuring out what which one of his to respond to. Like, I really didn't yeah. have a good intuition of like, what is he saying that the audience is connecting with that I should respond to? Yeah. And what is he saying that I should just let go? And I don't know, maybe I did okay on that, but I was just very, I, I found that, I was flustered. I, I didn't know exactly well, yeah, what to well, do. Also, Max, by the way, I mean, I, once again, I guess you were in the mind of these. Bear in mind that that uh, I listened to it when I when I when I I did an interview, for example, on my uh, uh, de recent debate uh, with uh, a New York Times editorial writer, and uh, Tom Woods asked me to uh, to discuss it on his show, and of course, I felt I got to do my homework and listen watch my debate so that right. uh, i don't miss it because oddly enough this is the odd experience uh, and of course when i appeared at the shell to discuss my debate with ben burgess i subjected myself 
to listening to it once again in preparation. And of course, it's a little bit painful to see yourself up there. Uh, but I guess I guess you wanted you avoided that ordeal. You you, well, you prepared for this. Discussion. I will I, I I will get back to it. But okay. well, I did prepare for this discussion by listening to your debate and oh, to the uh, Tom okay, Woods yeah. discussion. Well, that's a, that's a little, so, little less painful. That's, no, uh, no, it was it was it was wonderful. It wasn't less oh, painful. Well, well, painful well, at all. You have to watch yourself up there. Okay. Okay. It's a little bit more uh, painful. I, yeah. I, I will I will pledge to subject myself to that at some point in the near future. Let's yeah, say at well, some point in the next it, month. You should have done it in preparation for this interview, Matt. Okay, okay. Once again, well, I'm marking you down. Okay. It's all okay. right. But anyway, that aside. Uh, the, That's two uh, markdowns. The, 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 the only thing I can say about <laughs> the, the monogram, I found it stimulating. Uh, it, it's, a, it's obviously a little academic for sure, because we don't think monarchy is coming back. A little academic for sure, because no libertarian favors monarchy. It's just comparing one thing with the other. Uh, but it is stimulating, and right. I guess uh, since I've been, I'm, since I've been uh, basically uh, sort of a little bit harsh on you, Max, because I deeply respect you, that's why I give you a hard time. Only because uh, I appreciate I, it. I, I, okay, I appreciate okay. it. I like okay. it. But uh, but no, I have to praise uh, the point. Uh, a couple of points you made. One of them having to do with the problems of succession. Uh, and that maybe you didn't put a fine enough point on it, you know, the wars of succession, succession, uh, that, that Hans, Herman Hoppe, and of course, Alu, your opponent, uh, they talk about so this sort of like the long-term investment that uh, you're looking for something, Max. But, yeah. Um, oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just taking notes, checking the time, no, making sure we're all right. good. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, that uh, you, you, uh, you might have, you set me to thinking that the really, really the only key point that uh, that that has to be made by the pro-monarchist wing and by by Hans Hermanapi is that is that the king has a long-term investment in in this property and and that and that the what, what's the term that Hans uses? Which of course your guy should have quoted Hans a little bit because there's some good yeah that that the that the I, uh, the I expected him to a little bit more and so yeah, when he didn't. The politician is just a temporary caretaker. I forget right. what, what diminishing terminology is used. Uh, but uh, you, 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 uh, you might have put a finer. You know, when you talked about wars of succession, you might have pointed out that well, that that assumes that you, you might have even cited the show Succession. Have you seen it? Uh, I've seen parts of Succession, but I was thinking more of uh, House of Dragon at the time. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that. On, but yeah. The point is that, but but not infrequently because of regression toward the mean. Because of the a king, a king who's got a lot of you know, uh, or a queen who's got a lot of foresight and a lot of wisdom, uh, you're very disappointed in your children, and they they they're dits, they're they're rather ditzy. They're not really that capable, and uh, you know, as similar to the Godfather, you know, Fredo doesn't the oldest doesn't get chosen when once uh, Sonny is killed, Michael gets chosen. You know, and uh, the point is that. Uh, you then, you know, in the case of the Godfather, of course, then you have uh, Fredo plotting against Michael. So the point is, you, you know, this idea that there's going to be this orderly succession when it comes to heredity is a little bit up in the air, you know, as to, as to whether it can really happen. And as you said, you could have really bad times when when that kind of division happens. When, let's say, the younger sibling is given the job and the older sibling decides to lead a revolt among his loyalists, you know. Yeah. yeah, that was actually one of the arguments where I wasn't sure how strong it was until I did a little bit of research. Yeah. Uh, and then I found out just how common it was. And also, like, 
and then I found out like uh, you know uh, you know Mises had commented on it as 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 one of the big problems, and and s- some friends of mine who are who are not in these circles were like, well, who's that? And I'm like, no, these the, this group is going to love that. And oh, right. So. Oh, I, good, good. Where, where did Mises comment on it? Do you know? Oh, um, yeah. Well, so I had a, I had a quote from him, and I, I can't bring okay. it up in front of me right now. But um, where uh, his argument for one of his main arguments for, for democracy was preventing these kinds of wars. And so once oh. I saw him making that argument, I'm like, okay, it's good that he's making that argument because that really helps my argument for this audience. Oh, preventing the wars of succession. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I mean, I gather. I, actually, you inspire me to think of my Bible, my Old Testament. You know, I guess uh, you're not Jewish, are you, Max? I, I am. I am. So, if you're Jewish and you you probably know your your Bible was after after King what was it after Solomon? I guess. Well, there was a there was a really uh, you know the Absalom the, Solomon's kids the, the the kingdom divided. Yeah, the that was blood. the split between Israel and Judah, the north yeah, and the south. Because yeah. of uh, because of a succession problem, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, again, you don't. And in, in in the case of the of the serious succession, which is of course about business, he doesn't think any of his kids can really take over, mm. and and so and they so there's an incredible amount of fight between them. Uh, and so indeed, I guess that's a kind of a key point. So you don't get this this great foresight on the part of uh, the uh, the king uh, necessarily, uh, and. Um, and then, indeed, I know just because it's your children, do you really have a long-term investment? And then, of course, obviously, you still have a kind of a dynastic attitude on the part of some politicians as well. By the way, right? You know, and so, and there are. I mean, you and I obviously are uh, libertarians, and and we don't have a, a much of a high regard for, for for politicians, and we do see, of course, some force to the argument that they're temporary and that they'll loot the treasury and all that the rest but every once in a while they care about how they're how they're depicted in the history books you know sure so so the so the differences are not as stark as as uh as hans tried to i I also i I tried to make the argument and and people i got some feedback that it wasn't um they were kind of uh, confused about where I was going with it, like with the argument about the about the test that you're going to take. Where I was trying to make the argument that at some point you're, uh, you know, I'm a huge believer in economics. I'm a huge believer that incentives work, but on the individual level, at some point your incentives are maxed out. At some point, you know, either a person doesn't want to do something and there's nothing you could pay him to get him to get them to do it, or they're incapable of doing something. So no matter how much incentive you give them, they're not going to do it. And I think that, um, I think that applies to, to a monarch too. Like if you're like, well, just think about 50 years from now, make the best decisions. How do they know? Oh, oh they have oh, no right. idea what, what they're going to do. Yeah. And so I was trying to make that argument. I felt like, I felt like it didn't get through as, as strongly as, uh, as I could have made it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, th- that was a good point, I guess. And, th- and then actually, when you when you played the uh, the Bismarck card, you said, you know, here, here, the, here, the welfare state, the model for the welfare state originated basically under a king. I, you know, right? I mean, but, um, and uh, um, and so the idea that the, the other part of, uh, of Hans's argument, I guess, the key argument that that uh, that under democracy, people vote. People vote for the politician who keeps giving them transfer payments, uh, and 
And there's some validity to that. But then, of course, the motivation for the king to provide bread and circuses, you know, the emperors in Roman times to provide transfer payments to the populace in order to win popular support. There's a powerful incentive to do that as well. And uh, and of course, when King uh, Henry, come to think of it, another inspiration, King Henry Louis XIV, you know, the famous French line, Après moi le deluge. You know what that means? Yes. Uh, after me, the flood. Now, to me, you know, the deluge meaning the mess, the, the, that, and I don't even, he, you know, he had kids, so he didn't even give it to him, you know, so, yeah. uh, so it's all, it's all a bit exaggerated. And of course, then, then the strengths of the, uh, of the democracy are, I mean, every once in a while you do have, uh, you know, maybe the most heartening thing to my mind about the recent exercise of voting is that, you know, the politicians who were on the side of the teachers unions who were, who were basically against school choice, who, what, there wasn't it was in Pennsylvania the the guy who said parents are not the ones to decide about schooling he got right. uh, he got trounced uh, you know, or Virginia I think I, I could Virginia. be wrong was Sorry. that the one with like um Glenn Youngkin last year and um Terry yeah, McAuliffe? It, it yeah it slips by me so much I I mean I, I probably have the wrong state but and okay and uh, so I'm just showing showing how poorly I follow all this electoral politics but certainly, certainly <laughs> it's probably Corey better did. off <laughs> yeah well yeah certainly it, it was heartening to see the voter uh as a matter of fact it was Richard Epstein who was no no relation of mine but but when I was asking why uh why some of these upset voting he said well the one thing you can't you start telling parents they have no say in their kids' education, uh, then uh, that, that's death at the ballot box, you know, mm. and so on. And so every once in a while, you find heartening uh, intelligence on the part of the people uh, and uh, and uh, rebellion against war. You know, if a war goes on too long, they, they start getting weary and you suffer at the, at the ballot box, you know, for that reason as well. So there's some virtues in the ballot box. Yeah. Yeah, it would be interesting to go because I was playing defense on this where he wanted to argue that monarchy was better. And I felt like that gave me um, sort of an advantage because I didn't have to necessarily prove democracy was better. I feel like it would be an interesting task to kind of flip it around and try to go on offense. It would be a harder case just because it's a much stronger statement to say democracy is better. But like, um, it would be interesting to try to do that. I don't know what the well, results Just a moment, be. Max, actually, uh, you, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, now, oddly, uh, forgive me, but I'm forgetting you were the affirmative. Uh, no, no, I was the negative. He was saying, oh, he was like, the yeah. He was, and, and yeah. the, and the, and the wording of the resolution was strictly what again? It was, it was monarchy is better than representative democracy. So it was a it was a greater than sign. It was, you know. Well, it, okay, Max, I guess all, all that really amounts to is that is that to say the burden of proof really for you He to put say, the burden I, of proof on himself with the resolution. Well, I think you're exaggerating a little bit. Max. Okay. No, no, oddly, strictly speaking if that's the wording, let, let me explain something to you. Uh, it, okay. Which is a strong issue for me. Um the um the uh, all you, if you take the negative, then then indeed you could be defending the resolution, which is which would be to say that democracy, that monarchy is no better than democracy. In other words, right. you're correct to say that you're not necessarily flipping it and saying democracy is better than monarchy. You're simply saying that they're both, you know, maybe two lumps of shit, and you really can't choose. <laughs> yeah, one one has virtues, the other has vices, you know, and so on. So that's that's the only burden on him uh 
but I guess you could say that's a burden. But my point is that I would I would have I, what I like to do when I take the negative on certain as I did with Benjamin Applebaum, the the New York Times guy. He said that uh, th that it's largely responsible that that the free market is largely responsible for uh, for for the uh, for the disappointing performance of the U.S. economy. Yeah, and I I, be I began by saying that there is a burden on him in the sense that that even if it's partly responsible, then he can't sustain his case. Uh, that that I don't even think it's partly responsible. But even if he would approve that, he won't have made his case because he's saying it's largely responsible. So yeah, all right. So we, we, I guess you 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 we're basically in the same ballpark about burdens of proof with respect to debates. Although every once in a while, of course, when you think about how the audience voted and what they're really processing, you wonder whether these fine points really register with them, unless you keep emphasizing them over and over again. I, I, wa I, wanted, I wanted to go to your first point about your primary mission is to entertain the audience. <laughs> so now- so Yeah, now, I, I feel like that might be, how do you feel about that? That might be Max a little- Max and I are going to have a debate. Max is going to defend the resolution that the primary mission- <laughs> of a debater, <laughs> he's taking the affirmative, I'm taking the negative. So go ahead, Max, you've got five minutes to defend to defend the resolution. Take it away. Well, if you're not going to entertain them, why are they going to show up? <laughs> I'm done. I yield the rest of my time. <laughs> well, okay, this is a, there's, there's no I mean, way. look, I, I, obviously you can't just like go up there and put on a show that has nothing to do with the the debate or the or the resolution but yeah. you do have to put the work in to like to to grab people in and make your argument compelling and make your argument interesting and yeah. and I think you do a good job of that and and I think many of most of the debaters in the solo forum do a good job of that if somebody doesn't do a good job of that then it it definitely hurts them in the voting i, I i've noticed so yeah. well um, i mean i i would i would i i wouldn't I, I guess it's a matter of emphasis i would say that that the entertainment uh in terms of the what the word usually denotes uh has to be secondary uh but uh but really uh i guess maybe you and i are simply using different words for the same point uh, the 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 thing that i believe uh uh makes the, uh, the people buy tickets to the soul form events, at least in part, is that it's a it is a piece of theater, and that uh, and and that uh, it could be, you know, when you speak about entertainment, think of some of the worst. So think think of great tragic dramas uh, that you might like or tragic films. Yeah. they are so to speak entertaining, but sure. but but uh, but they're not necessarily funny. they they're simply dramatic. And simply yeah. as well, then the 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 clash of ideas and, and, and clash of personalities as well that naturally uh, results from a solo form debate, which I, by the way, I like to maintain as one on one debates uh, because for lots of reasons, but partly because I think that increases the drama. I think that people I I I used to have a weakness for heavyweight boxing, like so many, you know, hundreds of millions of others in the world uh, when it was a big deal. Because again, it's, it, it's the few things more dramatic than the clash between one person and another person. One one versus one clashes are perhaps the most dramatic, of course. And uh, just, you know, and obviously the dramatic clash between teams and soccer, baseball, basketball, all, uh, of course, pieces of theater as well as 
uh, as, as uh, uh, you know, athletic events. And this, so my solo form then is a piece of theater, just like yours was, where you debated. And so the theatricality of it comes naturally. And, uh, and, and, and so therefore, I don't think that you should try hard to entertain, uh, if you if you convince the audience, uh, then that's enough of a, of a struggle. That uh, if you that's your primary aim is to convince the audience of your position. That's why I wouldn't put entertain up. You're sort of nodding. I wouldn't put entertaining up on the marquee. Uh, and to the extent, although I I would agree that to the extent that you can use humor. Um, that yeah. you can make it. Yeah, then and, and, by the, and like you said, entertainment is much broader than that. It doesn't yeah. have to be humor, you know, yeah. it, although there are a lot of things that come up in debates like this that are inherently humor, humor, humorous, uh, you know, humorous. Uh, well, yeah, okay. See, because would, it's just, would, it's kind be, of would, funny would, when you have people, uh, when it's, it's almost like a little bit funny when you have someone contradicting someone else, you know, it's, 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 oh, uh, yes, indeed. Just, no, of course. And uncomfortable. Did. Yeah, well, my you know, my happy horse line. I guess actually, I think I probably said this when I when I first interviewed with you, and I repeated it ad nauseum, perhaps. Is that when my when uh, when my friend Tom Woods tries to reassure people of stage fright uh, when they when they lecture before an audience that everybody in the audience is pulling for you? Uh, my my uh, my point with Tom is that yes, there's a fat footnote there, except when you're in a solo form and debate or in a debate, because maybe a lot of the audience has their knives out for you, and then. More to the point, there's somebody on stage who's contradicting you. So, so, the, so he's not pulling for you at all. And so, it's a, it's a, it's a rather stressful uh, a situation to be in, but Could inherently be. dramatic. And that's why I would say the primary mission is still to convince the audience, um, and not to entertain the audience. I, I would say that if they, if they want to just see uh, a song and dance musical that uh, that is a, <laughs> or or a comedy that that we more strictly associate with entertainment then uh, that's their privilege but of course a lot of people do want to see heavyweight dramas like uh, you know like hamlet or long day's journey into night or death of a salesman or heavyweight movie dramas that end tragically and so uh, that's the that's the point about the broad concept of entertainment, which I I guess you agree with. But uh, the point, but uh, you know, the, when Aristotle said, uh, Aristotle, who wrote about the great Greek philosopher Aristotle, who wrote his Poetica, wrote about what theater is supposed to be, what plays are all about, is that uh, you evoke in the audience pity and terror. Pity and terror is what he called it. You know that that you electrify them emotionally. Uh, I myself, by the way, I tend to avoid horror films. I find they're sort of like yeah. scary and I don't, know, I don't want the experience, but horror films are very popular. As they you are. Know. People, and often there's not, not even any laughs in some of the great horror films, right? So yeah, some so, of them, yeah, some of them, some of them do have some. Right, the only, I'm thinking of uh, like the scary movie, which is just like uh, the the parodies of them from like 20 years ago. But well, the par okay, parodies <laughs> and they're fun and make them but, into jokes. But yeah, yeah but no, but, people uh, like that. Same reason people like roller coasters. I don't. I particularly like horror films, but I like roller coasters. So maybe it's the same sort of a situation. Well, yeah, thrill, a scary experience. So therefore, yeah. I would I would say that the entertainment will naturally. I, I would only put. I would modify. But my primary mission is is to is to uh, convince the audience because because the setup, the director, and the production is already uh, giving them the entertainment that they might seek in seeing an interesting clash of wills, a clash of ideas, uh, the, the possibility of, of an outcome, which, which of course is like, you know, quote unquote, 
outcome. It's just a, a, a sampling of the audience, sometimes indecisive sampling, because only, only Mike is only about half the audience actually votes. And so I would say that a margin of victory of, a, of at least 5% would, would imply some kind of victory. And then even then, ultimately, those people who are going to watch it on video and, and listen to it on audio are going to judge who they think one so it's a so it's a kind of an, an attempt to give a little bit of a of a theatrical climax of the evening and that's why i say it's the to soul form tootsie roll and i toss the tootsie roll at the winner and the yeah. moderator does yeah anyway. yeah i mean and that's uh, yeah that that's interesting in and of itself that the that the uh that it's just a little piece of candy it's the whole thing is about but uh i think with that first point i'm just maybe yeah. i'm also like convincing myself it's kind of like a pep talk to tell people like you know don't be don't be so robotic don't be it's not like for me oh. where i'm programming computers all day this is not writing a, a uh this is not writing software this oh. is uh you know this is you got to get up there loosen up don't be uh be human is is i guess what you're I'm inarticulate and inept attempt to just make those points when you say entertain <laughs> but, but, it's, that's, but no indeed you're absolutely right that uh, that uh, since it is a theatrical performance it's not. It's not just. It's certainly, of course, in print, you want it. You want to charm and entertain, entertain and make it readable. But of course, when you're up there, you're actually talking to the audience. Then right. uh, you do want. You do. I want to recognize that that your personality has got to come through. Although it's, you know, maybe you could be directed by others. I accept suggestions from others. As you know, my big taint, which my assistants have now haunted me with since they're now selling swag with, with that picture of me on. And they, they, they're running on Instagram that moment when I yelled at Bassas and Kara, learned some economics. Oh, and yeah, I was there said, for that. They, that was... It's apparently had hundreds of thousands of views. Uh, and uh, and my, my assistant, Jane, assures me that while that was dumb to do during a debate, he said, every once in a while, some of us do think about some of these progressives. Please learn some economics. The yelling at them would be a good idea. But the point is, I made the mistake of, of losing my temper with Basco Sankara uh, in that particular debate, uh, and uh, and so uh, it, it uh, I mean actually some of the audience liked it anyway, but certainly it was unwise of me to do. And so your point is really that uh, that that you uh, while your aim is to is to is to convince the audience, you what what do you want to do? You want to convince the audience, possibly if if possible with humor. Now, I knew I had a couple of, for example, getting back to my debate, Benjamin Applebaum, again, of the New York Times, he he defended the resolution uh, that uh, that the free market is largely responsible for the dismal performance of the U.S. economy. And so I knew that I probably had a couple of jokes at his expense when I quoted him on having taken a, a, a number to the third decimal point in order to prove his point. He had, a, and I used that, if you torture numbers long enough, they'll confess to anything. And I said, and Benjamin clearly felt it necessary to torture them to the third decimal point in order to get them to confess. <laughs> You know, you know I, I you also had another good line in there, which which got a laugh, which was taking his writing on housing yeah. and then and then I mean, you know, it's kind of an old trick. But then announcing yeah. who it was after the, uh, you know, saying, oh, this was written by uh, by my opponent here. And then it was uh, I don't know, it was pretty funny because right, you, you're like, thinking like, what is he talking about housing? It's like, oh, that's the other guy's yeah. article. <laughs> yeah, no. And I so saw that, Benjamin actually flinch when I watched the video. I saw Benjamin actually flinch when I mentioned that. So if you possibly can, but, uh, but oddly you can't always, always make jokes. You want, you want the jokes to, sure. you know, you're not up there 
uh, to uh, to make people laugh. You're up there to convince right. them. And uh, uh, the only thing, of course, obviously, is that is that you want to, to the extent that you can, you want your personality involved, but you want the force of your sincerity and your argument to come through, and uh, and and you don't you don't want to get angry, even though your opponent is sometimes saying outrageously stupid things. And so I have, always have to control my anger. Uh, and so, because that's a that's a part of me, and uh, that's always good advice. Well, uh, we're doing dwelling on. We should go to your other points. I, yeah, yeah. This is uh, we, we can have a whole. Uh, yeah. We could we could yeah, talk a lot yeah, about yeah. this on point. Your audience is good, uh, and I guess we agree with that. Although, of course, we we'll see what I would put up front. Of course, obviously, your primary purpose is, is to is to I would say to rewrite your your primary purpose is to convince uh, is convince the audience of your position. And that, and that, in so doing, that I would write. In so doing, use humor if you can, but only if it flows naturally from your argument. Uh, right. Try, now you don't uh, want to fit something in that doesn't like fit with your particular argument or your yeah. personality. Yeah. No, there are speakers. You know, it's the old convention. A speaker starts with a joke. I used when I started spoke when I uh, delivered economics talks. I would often use a joke and so on, but which only loosely related to what I was about to say. So um, that corny stuff, sometimes you still might do it if you deliver a lecture, but not when you're doing a debate. Uh, and uh, I also think you shouldn't be overly sincere in in, uh, in being nice to your opponent and saying, oh, I'm really great, grateful, what a worthy, great person, I know, whatever. Sometimes people get a little bit excessive in that. Yeah, oh, sure, uh, sure. Way, uh, but also most importantly, the delicate balance between speaking with with great sincerity and even passion, but somehow or other uh, avoiding character assassination against your opponent, and and hopefully exposing the op your opponent's stupidity without calling him stupid, <laughs> which of course is difficult difficult for me. But then, no, your I would yeah, say, no, no, your opponents haven't been stupid though. Like you know, oh, the last guy was. Um, you know, clearly well, very guess, clever. I guess I, yeah. I, I put a high bar for stupid. I mean, God almighty. I mean, it's a, I mean, Benjamin, what are some of the things he said? Yeah. So, I'm, uh, let me think of some of the things that Benjamin said that were slightly crazy. I mean, when ben, when when Benjamin, when I said to Benjamin. Oh, sure. You could get smart people to say things that are slightly crazy or even very crazy. Okay. Well, crazy. Look, pretty ignorant for somebody, you know, when. Uh, when, for example, when uh, he 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 put in a measure of of compensation uh, as a share of gross domestic product, he made yeah. two mistakes. But I said he didn't include benefits, and when and and he I I didn't I was frustrated that I didn't respond. He I I said I said Benjamin obviously values his health benefits and the contributions to a 401k at the New York Times, but it doesn't include that in his measure of compensation. He excludes it. And then he got up and said, well, if you think that medical benefits are worth any more than, and worth worth so much today, then be my, I don't know if you know, you probably don't remember when he said that. He, he was, uh, I don't remember. I don't remember that exactly, but if he said that, that's a little, because everybody knows that like, <laughs> like health insurance is a big part. It's a big draw for many people for their for their it's job. It's a big draw, and 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 a lot of things. Yes, indeed, and a lot of things that 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 were. And actually, 
Oddly, I tell you this, maybe you don't know this point that that in my day and when we were when I was in my 20s, I'm now 78, none of us really thought about getting health insurance when we, when we had a job because because the the, the the cost of seeing a doctor every once in a while was not a, not really that big a deal in your budget. And then secondly, or a dentist. And secondly, if you came down with leukemia, you'd be dead anyway. You know, that, and, and but that's the key point, so, which is that, yeah. or, or if you needed a bone marrow, there was, there were, there were no, the, on the odd possibility that in your twenties, you would catch a really life-threatening disease. Uh, you'd be dead anyway. So what's the point that, but now, um, the, the leukemia is no longer a death sentence. Yeah, now, and uh, you could get bone marrow if you come down with something serious in your twenties. It could cost a lot of money, but you want the health insurance on the off chance that you get it because they can save your life. All, right. all I'm saying is getting getting your minimum. As you said, health insurance is important. He said that. Okay, he said a lot of dumb things. I don't know. If I should dwell on what Benjamin said. I had a list of things that um, he said that I was kind of confused by, and oh, um, yes. we, can, we can go into them if you want. But well, uh, go ahead. That but, he said or that I said, yeah, well, right? So well, I, yeah, I, I don't know if you responded to this directly, but he said that um, you know it's good that we have you know a welfare state, a, a safety net, because if we have that safety net, then people are more willing to accept free trade internationally. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. I'm sort of thinking like, well, okay, but he's saying if we kind of violate free market principles a little bit over here, then that gives us the political leeway to expand free market principles over here. So that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily attacking free market ideology. That's more of like a political uh, um, sort of like a, just a, a statement of political yeah. realities, which yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, he could have argued in, in favor of the social safety net and said, well, this allows us to do have better policy over here. I mean, OK, that would be one argument. But like uh, I, I just found it a very strange I, I, I almost found that he was he was trying to make mm -hmm. he, he was arguing that, you know, restrict free market ideology over here to have it more over here is not a very strong argument because he's kind of saying, uh, yes, th that's how yes. I took it. No, I, I don't no. Yeah. No, I, it's to your point. I, 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 yeah, he did make that point. Um, I, I, uh, I, as you know, I preferred to try to point out that, uh, that, that, uh, that, that he had put a toe in, and that's when I quoted his article in trying to understand that, that uh, that government policies are making it difficult for people to get other jobs, to have free mobility, and that if we made if we opened up these opportunities for people and didn't and didn't constrain them with housing policy as well as with with restrictive licensure, then uh, then we could cure a lot of the problems that concern him. Uh, that we could make it the mobility enhance the mobility of labor. So I wanted to harp on that particular point rather than I, I address the point that you made, which is that indeed I didn't specifically address that point. Although I, I I guess you're making a an interesting principled argument that I might make in front of libertarians. Although I mean, when you when you talk about know your audience number two, in a way, one of the way what in in a way it's it has to be footnoted to say know the audience of people, the most subtle thing, know the audience of people who are on the fence. Know the mm. audience of people who might be persuadable. Open to yeah, they're not because yeah. because they're going to be the there's going to be the two extremes. The people who are going to love you no matter what you do. 
but because you know, right? I, I of course all have these fans, and you do too, Max. And, and then and then and then the people are going to hate you, no matter what you say. And and then maybe hopefully the people in the middle. Uh, but so and that's of course a real art and real guesswork as to what will work with people in the middle. Uh, and uh, but of course I when I when I made the point that look I'm 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 to the extent that we have inequality uh, and we and we're impeding the mobility of labor then then isn't that isn't that a concern that that uh, that Benjamin also shares and then I quoted from his article about it so I made that point but I, but picking up on your point you said well you're you're sacrificing one principle for another that would be more of an argument you might make to libertarians uh, the only other thing I would might have said and I had more time is that you know maybe he could cite some empirical data showing this to be the case that we have more of it I, I yeah I actually I actually questioned that because I think you'd have to choose con smaller countries like Sweden and other countries the, the small country is is so dependent on imports that that the, that the populace are a little bit better trained to appreciate the pos the point that we that we really have have to have free trade if we're going to survive. You know, the U.S. is a much bigger and more self-contained economy, so there's more of an indifference to the idea. So I'm wondering if even his empirical data are valid. And and yeah. then yeah, and then and then just because you give people some social safety, now, if they still feel their jobs are threatened, if there's a powerful steel union feels their jobs are threatened, they'll keep steel out anyway. You know, it's not really going to help. So. But yeah, but that's yeah. a good point. You got and, else, and right? Similarly, I mean, I, I'm not going to cover the stuff that was already covered, like on, on Tom Woods, like the, the, the growth data, which we've already covered that, the three decimal points. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't quite understand his argument about the cartels. Uh, um, I think he was trying to say, okay, well, a free market economist is going to say you can't have cartels, which is, you know, not quite true. And then it turned out there were a lot more cartels than we thought. But where, how does that... I, I don't see how that makes the case for the for the resolution exactly, because it's like, well, how is, you know, where were there people well, saying, no, 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 keep the cartels. I, I, I didn't see that. Like, I, I don't like what, where's what the example? Where, where's the example of like our government acting on behalf of free market ideologues to keep these cartels? I, I don't see He didn't say. Yeah. He, he, Maybe he I misunderstood. He was saying that the government isn't doing enough to via antitrust to 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 curb the cartels, and this was all the influence of George Stickler, the, who was a colleague of Milton Friedman. So okay. That's so, so, so but, that but, but, that's a little bit closer to to what yeah, I would have but, expected. But again, see, this is another. Now, when you were asking me the question, where was he dumb? You know, because this is ubiquitous. I find a lot of them are dumb. All I said was that that if we're associating cartels. In the classic fashion, with 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 gouging, with pricing that uh, that benefits you. That, that that's why we don't want cartels because of their abusive pricing policies, which of course is the classic objection. Sometimes you get crazy arguments. Benjamin, by the way, has been all over the map with his arguments. But on that <laughs> evening, he was making the point about pricing. They, they there's 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 collusion and there's and they misbehave with respect to gouging the consumer. So uh so the, all I so all I said was let's take the airlines. They, 
the 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 inflation rate in 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 with airlines diminished over the last ten years. That there's less pricing power, but as far as we can see, and and uh, and then all broadly, if you look at the inflation numbers, the fact is that the slowest rate of price inflation across the board was was from was from 2010 to 2020, until of course the something else happened, which is easily explained by this. By the explosion of debt and the explosion of money supply, so so we had every evidence that the pricing power was weakening. You have a Federal Reserve that constantly wants to goose up price inflation, and we have crazy Benjamin and some of those other lunatics say, "Oh, the cartels are 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 exercising the pricing power," and so that's and then then if you recall, Benjamin. Uh, started to cite France. He said, well, France's prices are better and therefore with respect to airlines and that's the reason why we are a cartel. So I said, but Benjamin, don't you also want to look at, look internally at the pricing patterns in the US? So anyway, that's what the argument was there and that's why, again, the cartel argument is so crazy. Uh, yeah. Because- I, I also feel like as someone who's worked on causality statistical models for profit, I feel like the the causal I have a high bar for causal arguments. You can't just say, ah, oh, this well, happened and this yeah. happened. You yeah. know, and so so I, I yeah, I, I I would have if if you were here, I I would say I would have liked to have seen a more comprehensive causal argument for that. Well the causal uh, argument well, again <laughs> you can't make it <laughs> well again yeah. Max, look, the first place, again, if you see on its face, the airlines measured by the builders, the airline fares were mostly down uh, from 2010, 20, that, that, the, that, the, that the pricing power of airlines was weakening. Clearly evidence of the, if you just look at, at the price patterns as tracked by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, does he want to question the numbers? So therefore, on its face, what the evidence you have is that is that the market was getting more more price competitive rather than less. So so the so the manifestation of a cartel, which would be pricing power, is completely the opposite. So so you're almost speaking abstractly, like you'd have an intelligent case, but then he wants to compare it with France. He he doesn't want he doesn't where, where you obviously run into problems when you start. There are way too many uh, confounding variables there. Like you can't well, you compare it with the, the, yeah. The, the point is, on its face, it's a joke. And then, and then, of course, I mean, there are other crazy people like Robert Reich who starts saying, "Well, the cartels now are in, are in charge." When clearly, they, they suddenly got in charge once the monetary explosion happened. They, the cartels had no power at all, and yet they they suddenly suddenly got powerful in 2021. So that's the reason why I lose my I cool sometimes in thinking about the stupidity of these people and and the kind of cockamamie things that they can invent without any evidence at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you where I think he was. Um, uh, he had some good positioning at one point. Now are you going to get me angry, Max? But go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I'm just I'm trying to see from from different points of view. So. Yeah. So you brought up his 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 work on on housing, and yeah. he was very smart to to own that and basically say, "Look, no. I am not an ideologue. I believe sometimes the free market is good, sometimes government intervention is good, and if he had organized his thoughts um, a little better uh, uh, for the audience and just said, "Hey, look, here are some examples of free market ideologues said X." government did Y, outcome Z, and made it much more compelling. And if he had a few of those, even if we disagreed with the, with the you know, with the, uh, with the chain of reasoning, but, but if he kind of hammered home his examples and said, 
look, I just believe in 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 evidence. Then it, I think it would have been a much stronger argument, uh, much more difficult to, uh, well, what you, to take it on. Well, well, okay, broadly speaking, what really happened, Max, was that um, I, I felt it was getting the argument was getting the, the, his debate was falling. To his position in the debate was falling apart so quickly. Basically, he retreated from the resolution, which is to say free market ideology is largely responsible for what's gone wrong with the economy. And and uh, and I said, really, it's it's progressive ideology. But I can't I can't prove all that in the limited time allotted. I can only say that that Benjamin hasn't made his case. But then in his own summary, all he's really saying is that we need a balance. He's then taking the high road and he's saying we need a balance between government and the free market and capitalism. We definitely need capitalism. We definitely need government. He's just making a sort of abstract case for the role of government in the free market. But but that has nothing specifically to do with, with the specific case he's supposed to make that free market ideology is largely responsible for what went on. He basically retreated from his own argument. And all you're really saying is that he could have... If he didn't do that, it would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but of course, I, I was amazed. I picked up six points and he picked up nine points. But of course, it was, it was, a, it was a small margin, too small to, to count. But I'm, I'm amazed that he even picked up nine points. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's tough. You know, when you're that... Um, when you start off with such a low number, an audience against you, it's easier to pick up some of the, well, the well, marginal people. Well, let people me say, that, Max, once again, you're the, you're, the, you're the thousandth person I have to correct on that. Yeah. I can only tell you that if you look at uh, the the Soul Forum numbers, uh, and uh, you obviously can oh, say, well, be this... By the way, that would be an interesting data set. I'd love to, uh, okay, maybe well, I should like, Max, write that down data, and start analyzing Max, it. Max, if you go on yeah. our website past events, you'll find that all of the numbers are provided for like our 72 debates. There was one debate where we couldn't do an Oxford style vote because because uh, that was with um, with Joseph Stiglitz, the Nobel Prize winner. His wife demanded that it not be a debate, so we couldn't do it to do a uh, an Oxford style vote. But on more than 70 of the debates, we've done an Oxford style vote. And it's easy enough to simply eyeball the numbers and group them. Uh, and you'll see that uh, that uh, that uh, that uh, that it's it's pretty much of a wash. That that the that the that the that if you that the the, uh, the side that starts with fifty percent or more uh, has as much chance of winning as the side that uh, that starts with ten uh, percent or more. And mm. and so uh, you know so that use any threshold that you want, and you'll see that it's random. There's no pattern. There's no 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 evidence. Uh, from our 72 debates with records that the side that starts with a lower percentage. I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to crunch the numbers on that. So maybe I'll, well, maybe I'll try to do would, that and get back to you. Well, you're a scientist. I, I, I did a, a simple back of the envelope look and uh, you're a scientist. So uh, you should uh, take a look. I think you'll, you'll find it's just too written. There might be a little bit of an edge, but really not enough, uh, not enough to write home about that. Yeah. Yeah. The one, the one that I did, I was surprised that it was so even, well, it was a very small audience, so that's part of it, but I was surprised it was so evenly split to begin with. I had no idea walking in what it was going to look like. Um, I don't don't know. Well, surprised. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, on that particular debate, I could imagine that uh, libertarians would sort of be open. Although, by the way, I I mean, this is, I, I, you're now reminding me of what else I was going to comment on. Um, I, I, uh, as you perhaps know, 
do not announce uh, the uh, the initial vote. Uh, I could announce the initial vote once it's taken, but I only announce the initial vote and the final vote when the final vote comes in. And uh, and I and I do that partly because uh, I don't want to make too much of a big thing out of uh, the uh, the Oxford style voting. You know. I want- yeah, it'd also be interesting, like not to know because yeah, going in like. I sort of knew, okay, like half the audience agrees with him, half the audience agrees with me. Let, uh, it, it might be better if I was just not focused on that at all. Right. Yeah, although exactly. it, although exactly. I, I've got to say, and maybe this is just the human brain focusing on the negative, I definitely only heard the people in the audience who were supporting my opponent in the debate. So it felt like he had much greater support than he actually did. Well, you well, well. There you go. See, you you uh, you you're then I think elaborating on my point. I would I would advise anybody who actually runs your debates at the shell uh, to to save it until the end. You know, the the, the point again. The the end is the is you know that's the tootsie roll climax. It gives you a little bit of a point to the evening. And so I announced, well, the initial vote you would have done. The initial vote was even thirty six, and now what's happened? You know, so then you announce the whole damn thing, and then as you say, uh, it uh, in your own case, it takes it takes the sort of the, the crazy pressure off. You're there to make the best case you can, and uh, and and the and the numbers are not going to do you any good, and they could uh, they could like put undue pressure on you. And as I say as well, it may it makes it a little bit too much of a thing out of the Oxford style voting. I I just want it as a kind of an end to the evening without right. making it as though it's the conclusion to the evening. Yeah. So yeah. that's the other bit of advice I have about that. Um, well, we're running short on time, Max. I'm actually, but. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Let me just look over the the rest the rest of your suggestions. Oh, oh, oh the tenth. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, and then the third. See what your opponent and those on the same side as your opponent have said about the issue in the past. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, well, well, that, that I, I got th- from you. So. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, of course I would use stronger language there. I would say again that that uh, that that the key, the absolute key, is do your homework and. Sometimes it's painful. When I when I debated Ben Burgess, I found that um, versus, for example, debating uh, Richard Wolf, another socialist. Richard Wolf had happily left a whole trail of writings that I could skim. I didn't have to read every paragraph and all the rest of it, so I could go over his writings and a, and a few of his discussions. Ben uh, Burgess had left fewer writings but many more discussions so for example i had a i had to suffer through an entire debate he did with david friedman which i had subjected myself to because i want to make Wait. sure i'm familiar with the kind of arguments he makes. and it was a matter of fact only when i heard him debate david friedman that i heard the biggest howler that uh, that that he's that he's capable of that he actually does want to criminally prosecute anybody in a socialist society who wants to work for a conventionally managed firm. He would forbid such firms to be formed, and he would make it a criminal offense to do. And I, as I try to make the point that, you know, there, there are socialists who, are, who they, they do want the iron fist of government to enforce worker ownership on firms. That's bad enough. Uh, but some of them at least would permit Competition would permit uh, those uh, some of us to dissent and work for conventionally managed firms. Ben would not, 
do so. And I think and I think it's important to classify him as an authoritarian socialist and to differ, differentiate him from the from the semi-liberal socialists who who want government to force it on us, but would allow at least free market competition. The more reasonable socialists, the more open-minded uh, types. And so I only discovered that particular cornerstone of his argument by listening to his debate with uh, with David Friedman. Uh, and uh, so, uh, and it's important. So, therefore, doing your do your homework, do a deep dive into everything that he's that your opponent has said. So, that especially if you're the negative, you can really prepare. And there's very few surprises surprises then for you. Yeah, you will show up, and you're thinking, as I perhaps said, and I've 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 outed him a lot, even though I have a high regard for him. Ben Powell, who's a Texas Tech, who debated. Uh, immigration uh he had not read the book written by his opponent and therefore he was talking past his opponent too often he wasn't wasn't because you have limited time you you want to focus your arguments on the argument being made by your opponent uh and uh and that's important so therefore very important to do the deep dive as you know you have to hold your nose because some because in the age of podcasts and interviews sometimes you have to sit through something that that you find rather wearing in order to understand what <laughs> yeah. your opponent thinks. It, it's much easier to skim the opponent's writings than to listen to what he had to say. But sometimes you have no choice but to do that. Yeah. Well, it's better because then you get to hear what they're saying on their on their own rather than their edited, you know, final product. Well, that's right. Well, because yeah, your point is often often what they say in interviews and in other debates they might have had is really. Uh, more of a, of a prediction, more of what they're going to say when they debate you. Yeah. Uh, also, update they people update their arguments every time they t- like. If you write a book and then you go out talking about your book for a year and doing back and forths, you're going to change your you're going to change the way you talk about. Oh it. yeah, no, no. I will tell you by the way that that uh, I listened uh, I, happily. I didn't have to listen. <laughs> I made that. Benjamin Applebaum did a long interview on Econ Talk with Russ Roberts, and that was my New York Times opponent in my debate with him. And uh, and there was a transcript produced, and uh, I will tell you that that, that I could have em- I embarrassed Benjamin because because he keeps changing his story. Really, uh, the best summary of it is. He did a book and he wanted to give it some point. Well, free market ideology is at fault. But really, he was just doing a, a sort of a breezy history. And so uh, he he made different arguments to, 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 to Russ than he made to me. He's, he's really a moving target because he is so confused. So therefore, every once in a while, you, particularly the evolution of your opponent's argument is such that you see that, that, if he, that, that if he seems to change his tune from what he wrote and then change his tune again, you're going to have to say, I don't know what the heck he's going to say the next time. He may change his tune once more. You know, and so that's that's a little bit of a problem. Well, sometimes about I did miss the opportunity to quote him against himself uh, a couple of times. I could go into that, but not a big deal. Quote him against himself by pointing out that you know Benjamin said one other thing. He said something completely different when he was interviewed by by, by Russ Roberts. Would have been unfair. Well, now this is Benjamin's argument. Fine, I'll deal with it. But it's not what he what he believed in a year ago. It's like taking pot shots. So sometimes you run into that problem. But do your homework. Do your homework. Uh, that's the most important thing. Edit, edit, edit. When answered questions, refer to the ideas that you've already established. That's good. P- 
pick your battles most difficult, most difficult because often you, your, uh, your opponent is coming at you with all kinds of arguments and you have to, you can't respond to all of them. And uh, so, and that gets back to sort of like hopefully reading the mind of those people who might be on the fence, who might I be- think. I think that's more of an experience thing too. Like you get more experienced at it as time goes on. Cause that yeah. was in my first debate attempt. That was, uh, I found that the most difficult. Well, you know, I, I, I had to be pessimistic, but the fact is that you know, I've done like now seven or eight debates, the, the topics change, you know, I've done, I mean, of course I'm, in Italy, I've three out of my eight debates were with socialists, so there I'm repeating myself a little bit. So, but the other five debates were about different topics, and sometimes then you never quite know, and you're against somebody who's got particular issues, so you never quite know. But experience probably helps. Deploy the best stories to illustrate your main arguments. Chill out and remember good sportsmanship. Well, those are wise words, Max. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks. So I've taken, you and I have taken more than an hour of your listeners' time, and I guess we've exhausted them completely when it comes to doing debate. In the, in the end, this is the real reflection that you and I want to have, uh, Max, which is that in the end, we want to share our wisdom with others. We want to educate. And uh, and and I and I've chosen and I and lectures and discussions and interviews uh, and books and articles. I benefit from all of those as as a source of my continuing education. I've always felt, however, that uh, that that uh, that debates are a necessary part of our education, and that while they are never necessarily decisive in our education, they can always teach you things. I myself. Uh, I myself have modified my views, and I've said this before uh, uh, in public that that I modified my views about fractional reserve banking when I heard some uh, when I heard a solo form debate we did on it. Uh, and uh, so people ask me, have you ever changed your mind? Uh, I often say, well, I've never quite changed my mind, but certainly, uh, although in that particular case I did, uh, but certainly I've sharpened my understanding of the issues by listening. To a lot of the debates, and uh, and my point then is that while you and I are focusing on, so to speak, the game of debating, uh, the, the 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 ultimate goal is to educate ourselves by debating and educate others by doing a debate in front of others, and and that ultimately then we're 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 appearing before people who are intellectually curious, which is a point I, I missed stressing initially, because the, yes, we want entertainment, we want the drama, but really, you have to walk into that hall as an intellectually curious person who, who enjoys listening to the clash of ideas and hopes to pick on up on some insights from these particular uh, uh, occasions. Every Everything from books to articles, to interviews, to discussions, to seminars, to panels, to debates, they all have their strengths and their limitations with respect to, to ways in which we might educate ourselves. And you and I just understand that debates do contribute, and that's why you and I believe in the idea of debate. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better, but yeah. you know, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, that there's a saying that you don't truly understand something unless oh, yeah. you can explain it to someone or teach it to someone else, you know, until you become a teacher. But, uh, you know, debating is a big part of that. You really don't understand an argument until you have someone there who's trying to uh, trying to, to, make to it. knock yeah. it down. Yeah. 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 It was actually John Stuart Mill, actually, in his book on liberty, who went to the extreme of the point that you really have to be able to make the argument for the other side. I find he, in order to in order to understand your position, I, I would say do a deep dive into what I think he went to the extreme of the point. But of course, you're you're correct. Indeed, it sharpens your thinking. I, you just remind me a little bit. 
I object a little bit to college debating or high school debating where where it's almost like like it's strictly a game and there are no convictions and you have to take you have to show you can take both sides of the argument. I think that's a little bit extreme, but certainly the idea of taking the other side of the argument uh, helps you understand the weaknesses in it and possibly makes you understand the strength. I did come in when I when I heard before I heard the debate between George Selden and Bob Murphy. I was more on, on Bob's side, although Bob Murphy I think has changed his position position a little bit. Uh, but I I began to see that there was more of an argument for fractional reserve for allowing fractional reserve banking in a free market to happen because because the banks will discipline uh the bank the other banks that misbehave uh uh uh, uh, shareholders will will uh, uh, depositors will discipline them as well, and so I think uh, let it happen. Uh, Bob Murphy even said at one point that passing a law against it is not a hill I want to die on. Hans Hermann Hoppe, by the way, and others among um, uh, the in school, some want to pass a law prohibiting fractional reserve banking. I don't think that's useful. I think that you you just want to see what happens in a free market in banking, and and not be surprised if there is some fractional reserve banking practice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Just to just to broaden it a little bit, yeah. to summarize, and then yeah, I'll let yeah. you have the last yes, word. Because yes. I uh, ended up in a, a narrow provincial. Yeah, day. yeah. No, so I mean, I mean, learning through these debates, uh, you know, for yeah. me is really why I I so strongly believe in like freedom of speech. I I, I really believe that we can't truly understand. Um, even if we're not going to change our mind to hear more speech, we're not going to truly understand our own positions uh, without without hearing many sides to it. And uh, and I've always I've always supported freedom of speech, like like I just inherently supported it. Even when I was younger, it wasn't considered a right wing issue. Hopefully, ten years from now, it won't be considered a right wing issue, and it will be a broad issue once again. Uh, but um, well, that's right. But it's very right. important. To take the, that's right. And indeed, now the ultimate civil debate, if the idea that I can meet with a New York Times guy whom, with whom I deeply disagree, but we, but he can come to our reception afterward and sell his books and, and, and eat our food and drink our drink, that civil debate without uh, insult, without violence, without upset, without saying, oh, your positions tra traumatize me so that I can't even listen to you, all of that uh, is also what you and I stand for, Max. So yeah. I've had the final word, Max. So over and out. A pleasure. All right. hopefully, hopefully I'll see you again uh, at uh, in the, unless you want to come to New York and visit. Uh, come to our debates. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I might. What, what I is, when is this going to be aired, Max? Uh, when, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm guessing this month, like by the end of the year, you know, we'll, oh, have, we'll have a few. I'll probably uh, save this for uh, like, you know, Christmas week or something. Oh, okay. So that okay. way I'll be, you know, it's in two and weeks. Then, so. Then I, no, then I want to make an announcement. Uh, yes. uh, the, uh, the my, of course, you now give me the chance to make my announcement about, about SoFOM. Uh, our next debate. Look, look on our on our website, thesoform.org, for the exact date in January where Larry White uh, will be defending the resolution about abolishing the Federal Reserve against Lawrence Mishkin, who's a very well established. Uh, monet monetarist at Brook at uh, Columbia University. Again, this will be the classic case by uh, by an advocate like Larry White on uh, on the uh, on on the need to abol to abolish the Federal Reserve. But then on top of that, we ignore, we're, I'm, I'm inaugurating a new uh, 
uh, a, new, a new venture for the Soul Forum. Uh, uh, this uh, a couple of days later, which will be on a Sunday afternoon, uh, uh, and uh, this will be uh, you'll be available to buy tickets for this. Larry White, the same debater, is going to come. It's going the debate's going to be on a Thursday evening. I think that's January twenty sixth. A few days later, he's going to come to our my home, and uh, and we're going to have a Soul Forums uh, Bastiat Society salon in which we discuss the issues of the debate and put Larry in the hot seat. And so uh, my plan, if if there's enough interest, is to have a, a Soul Forum salon uh, following each debate in my home in which uh, you watch the debate and you discuss it, just like uh, Max and I have done and in order to sort of deepen your understanding of the issues raised. And so if you come, if you buy tickets to the to Larry's debate and you're in town, you can sign up for a seminar, uh, our salon, discussing that debate. That will be in January. Check uh, thesoulforum.org for the time and to buy tickets for that debate. All right. Fantastic. That'll all be on the show notes page, and this will go out uh, uh, before those debates happen. Gene, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it today. Pleasure as always, Max. Bye-bye. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.